I believe God put a specific light in your heart for a purpose, for you to shine it into this world in a way that nobody else can, a light that is unique as the print on your finger. And our job is to take that light and go love people with it in this world. Everywhere you go, you have a ministry. You don't just have to be a preacher to have a ministry. Your light is your ministry. It's how you shine it at your job, at your family, at the dinner table with your friends, at the movies, at the park, at your apartment. Everywhere you go, you are made to shine your light. Do it. Be it. Love people. Be kind. Honor them. Honor yourself. This is made to shine. Welcome everyone to Made to Shine. I am so geeking out of my yellow workout shorts excited right now for you to listen to this upcoming episode. I had the honor, the privilege, just truly, truly, truly the blessing of an experience to talk with one of the most real, authentic, loving people. Um, I can say that now after just genuinely connecting with her yesterday that I've ever had the the chance to connect with on Made to Shine. And you guys, Elise Murphy, if you don't know who she is, you have got to go check her out. She's everywhere. She's on Instagram. You can go to EliseMurphy.com. But she's a writer, a producer, a pastor, a speaker, a coach, an influencer. I mean, I feel like, wow, the list could just go on and on. Uh, but she's written devotionals such as For God So Loved, into the new. She co-founded Club Devotion, a place where biblical faith and best friends meet. She meets every Thursday with those group of girls, pouring life and goodness into them. She also founded Breakthrough Boot Camp, which is a six-week program for women to get unstuck, shake off shame, and go deeper with God. I mean, hello. And Finally, she is also the co-producer and host of On a Lighter Note with Lightworkers. And she works with the media outlet to really help bring faith to the media. And all of this, everything she does from producing to writing to speaking, it's under this idea that the method may change, but the message remains the same. Your mess is not too messy for his grace. You guys... I am so excited for you to hear this episode. It touched my heart so much so I went back to it and it brought tears into my eyes, just the stuff God was speaking through Elise. So I'm so excited. Dive in, get your popcorn, get your notes, get your journal. If you're driving, drive safe. If you're on the stair stepper, keep it rolling. Get excited to be pumped up. Send you guys love. Enjoy this episode. Elise. Thank you so much for being on. I am so excited to have you on. Everybody tuning in, you guys are in for a real treat. We have Elise Murphy on, which I know you just heard my intro. So the a thousand things that she's doing, she's got going on. We have got all of her love and light and wisdom in these next 30 minutes. I am so stoked. And Elise, I think one of the reasons really that I really wanted you on specifically is I am so passionate about young women understanding no matter what you do, whether you're a lawyer or a teacher or a pastor or a sales corporate executive, you have a ministry and how you live your life and walk the walk. I mean, it's how you love. It's how you lean into people. And what you're doing with your books and your speaking and production with On a Lighter Note, all of those things, you do that so well. And so I'm so excited to have you on today to just go into kind of the conversation of the heart behind what it's like to walk the walk of every day, your life being your ministry and just the way you love people and shine your light. And so, so excited to have you on. And before we dive into the good, good, I got to kick it off with how I kick off every single Made to Shine episode, which is what is your favorite quote and or scripture verse if you want and why? Oh, that's a good one. Look at you jumping right in. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I am so pumped to be here. Okay. Let me give you mine from when I was a child. And then let me see if I remember a new one. I remember being a little girl. And the only reason I don't even, the other day, I must've been looking through old, old, old journals or like MySpace days, like back in MySpace days, if you remember MySpace. 
Um, I used to love this quote as a little girl. It was about when I used to dream about, you know, Hollywood fairy tale dreaming of my husband. And I remember being a little girl and always having this quote. And it's almost like my heart's prayer. And it was so corny and so cheesy and I love it still to this day. And it is um, that a, a woman's heart should be so hidden in God that a man has to seek God to find her. A woman's heart should be so hidden in God that a man has to seek God to find her. And wow. I have never said that publicly. Um, I don't even know why I remember it. I was searching through something the other day, you know, when you go through the archives of life. So that would be, um, that is for sure one of them. And then I'd say Isaiah 54 or Isaiah 54 in the message version is it feels a little bit like my life chapter and it is for any woman that is hurting or heartbroken and is just lonely, is wondering where Jesus is and what they're going to do with their life. And the whole chapter in it is all about how how much Jesus is your bridegroom, that Jesus is your, uh, he is the, the redeemer, the one that's going to redeem all the broken places. And any single time I've ever been through a breakup, Anytime I've ever had a lonely day, I will go and read that verse in the message translation is my favorite. And it is just like, it is just medicine for my soul. And so I love that one. I have, I don't know. I have so many quotes. Oh, okay. Now I remember. See, it always comes back. I love uh, Beth Moore. Beth Moore has this quote that I put on my Instagram the other day. And it is, um, I've seen a pattern that God will take men and women and he will call them. And just as they are starting along, he will uh, equip them and send them on their way. And just as they're starting along on their calling, God will humble and crumble them. And it's at the mm -hmm. moment of the divine humbling that the called is sure that they have blown it, that they don't realize that now they are ready to serve. And I think often we go through these times in life where we're humbled, where we're crumbled with these broken pieces and we're like, God... I don't even know. Like, I don't even know if you can use me anymore. I'm too messy now. I'm too broken now. I've done too much now. My life is not where I thought it would be. That God is smiling, not at the pain. His his heart breaks in the pain. He he cries tears with us in the pain. But what he's really smiling about is the fact that it's actually at that moment of breaking that uh, what he said uh, to Paul in the when I'm weak, I am strong when you are weak, you are strong, that we're actually in that moment ready, not just to uh, stand to our feet, but now we can connect with people we could have never connected with before. Our influence can go deeper than it ever could have before. And so I remember when I went through my divorce in 2017, I think I found that quote not long afterwards and I have just <laughs> let it settle in my heart. So there's three of them. Wow. Those are all so good. And I want to go, I want to go there to the, to the breaking, because I think that when we're thinking about, I, I love this speaking of quotes. I love this quote, which is like, when you experience a breaking, you can break apart or you can break open. And I do mm. think that a lot of times it's those very things. It's like when we experience pain and the cuts run so deep, it also increases our capacity to love. The cut goes deeper to be able to love deeper. And mm -hmm. that carries so much so to the path of success, to be able to receive the things that God has planned for us. So on your journey, I mean, you're writing, you're speaking, you're speaking at churches, you co-founded Club Devotion, you're doing a breakthrough boot camp, you're doing all of these things, Elise. And, you know, someone would look at, where you are and say, I want to be there. Or they would look at where you are and say, wow, I mean, she's done so much. Like it must've been easy, breezy, lemon squeezy, or however it, you know, however you want to put it. What were the, for better or for worse moments that would you, looking back on your life, I know you had a move, you said you had a divorce, you had all of these really incremental, impactful things that got you to where you are what kind of shaped this person I'm talking to today that was able to hold the success of the things that you currently are? Yeah, I think that I think that um, everyone looking into your life sees things that you lose sight of. And I think we're often so aware of the behind the scenes that we're living that um, the Instagram posts, 
are a side of your life and it's not that they're not real, hopefully. <laughs> I mean, depends on whose Instagram you're on, I guess. But um, I think that like all those things are very real, but I also see me day to day. I see how I wake up. I see the fact that I missed my alarm clock this morning. Like I see the fact that I have so many deadlines due right now that I am was just procrastinating watching the American Idol final right before I came on here. Like I see the Elise that like, isn't necessarily on my bio, but he's also really there. And so to anyone that's like, man, like, I feel like I don't do anything with my life. I have those days too. I have moments like that in every single day. And so um, while I feel like God has used me and is using me, I also still see the dreams I have. And, and I pray I never get to a point where I'm like, I've done it all. I've done the things because then like, if we're still breathing, there's still purpose. And um, I think that for me, in all of those things, some of the big pivotal moments um, are the steps of faith that I think God graced me in the moment to make because I didn't realize how big a deal they were. And so I would have these moments like when I moved to America that I was like, yeah, I'm just going to go move to America now. And I had a job and God had like lined up this visa in three weeks, which is a miracle if you've ever looked at visas. Um, And so looking back, I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea that was going to change my life. Like I knew in theory, but I think when you're walking out big pivots, you don't quite realize how much of a pivot they are in, in until hindsight. And so yeah. I always tell people if I could have a superpower, my superpower would be hindsight immediately. I'd have immediate hindsight to know how this decision is going to affect me in the weeks and years to come, because I think I'd be much more aware of what I was doing and um, and so when I moved to America, that was a big thing. Obviously, when I went through uh, my marriage and divorce, I never walked down the aisle, who does, thinking that I was going to be looking at the void of where my husband should be standing not more than 12 months later. Mm-hmm. And I think often exactly how you beautifully said that, Annie, of like you can either um, break or break open. And I do believe that those breakings in my life were a moment where God broke me open and was able to get rid of the junk that shouldn't be there and was able to feel the pain with his healing. And when you've when you've been filled with God in a space that you've been heartbroken, and I'm not just talking about relationship heartbreak, though uh, I would bet good money that every single woman listening to this can remember a heartbreak in their life, um, even if it's the heartbreak of loneliness. Um, I think when God fills that spot, you don't get a lobotomy. You don't forget the pain. Uh but you do have a choice. What am I going to do with the pain? Mm-hmm. And I think the thing that I would say is that in most of the moments, not all of them, but most of the moments of my pain, I've wanted to use them to help people and not to excuse my life. Mm. And I think that we have a choice on um, the real reality of being in pain. You have plenty of people around you that can justify for you, you staying in that pain. You do. Mm-hmm. But you also have people around you that will help you get out of it. You have strength that God will give you in the day to be able to stand back up and do the daily tasks. You do enough daily tasks and they start to look impressive to the outside people, even though you know it's just a bunch of daily tasks. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that it's much more complicated than that. And God has opened doors and I am am the first person that will say, "I, I don't know why God uses me in the way that he does. I just know that I say yes. And I just know I just have a bunch of days put together where I decided not to give up, where I decided to say yes to an open door, even if I had no idea what the heck I was doing. I said yes to coming back to America after my divorce. I said yes to stepping into a media role when I was a a church kid from the backside of Sydney, Australia. Like, what am I doing interviewing Jake Gyllenhaal? What am I doing on a red carpet doing a premiere? I don't know what I'm doing. It's hilarious to me. But I said yes. Right. And I was like, let's give it a shot. And I think that the grace of God in my life is the testimony that when I've been in the moment, it's just been another day. Mm-hmm. And a lot of mundane days strung together make memories that you look back on. You go, wow, that's pretty cool. Um, and so I, I don't know that. if there's any formula. I don't know if I have any, here's how to do the steps of success. I think it's just every day saying, okay, I'm going to do what's in front of me today. Mm-hmm. And God, if you want to open a door that's scary, I'm going to walk through it. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I think what I love about that so much is someone once said, you know, God doesn't call the qualified. He calls the willing. I think there's a lot of spinoffs of the version of that, but, but I'm a big believer in that. It's like, are you willing? Are mm-hmm. you willing to say, yes, use me and then be used, show up, not just answer the call, but walk out the call. Cause yep. I think 
I don't think we're in shortage of a world that has people that wants to raise their hand, but it's a shortage of people actually walking the walk once they accept that call. And I think what's so amazing about you is not just that you had all these ideas in your head and you answered the call, but you actually executed. And Mm. so I'm curious, what do you think I guess one, do you do you see that too? Do you see women struggling with like they have a dream, they believe God put a calling on their heart, but then executing on it? And two, if so, what do you think was the difference for you in regards to just showing up, saying yes, maybe without the whole track record of experience to interview people like Jake Gyllenhaal? What what was the difference? Um, I think it is um, again. I think it is another cliche, but there's cliches are there for a reason. I think that opportunity meets preparation. And um, I think that God does really good at Mr. Miyagi-ing us. And there's a movie called The Karate Kid where Mr. Miyagi um, has this little kid that he's training to like wax on and wax off. And he's doing all these weird mundane jobs. And one day he realizes that the skills he was learning in those mundane jobs were the very thing that were actually these karate moves that like when you put them all together made him like, the best fighter ever. I think God does that to us a lot. And we often say no to the mundane because we don't think that it is, we don't see that it is training us for the moments where the open door will be there. And Mm -hmm. so we're looking for the open door, but we're not preparing in the hallway. And um, for me, um, opportunity has been connection with people. Preparation has what will I be, what will I do when I get in the conversation? Um, what do I have to show for it when I get, everyone has ideas. Mm-hmm. I have 10 book ideas right now that I could spin off to you right now. I've written one book. I have a, when is it? Sometime in my calendar, <laughs> a pitch meeting for a book. I know what I'm saying in that meeting. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of us live a life of, I could do better than that person from the stands. A lot of us live a life that, um, I mean, a perfect example. You think of the old man that is sitting in the bar during the Super Bowl talking about what everyone should be doing on the field. Right. And he, because he played college and football. And it's like, all right, Corey, like, great job, Mandy. You did that back then, but you are no longer in the field. You are just, we have plenty of criticizers in the world. I have people criticizing me in my DMs every single day. And I think for women specifically, the reason we don't execute what we can in front of us right now is because we're afraid of ourselves, we're afraid of other people, or we don't think we're worthy of what we're talking about. Mm. Imposter syndrome is a real thing. And I think between imposter syndrome and comparison, that's where us women that really do have big dreams that God really has called, I think that's what we can so often get stuck is in comparing ourselves to someone else, thinking that somebody else is already in the market as if one person saying something similar to what you feel like is your life message means that you shouldn't say that. Like that, that doesn't make any sense at all. That doesn't make, that makes no sense. Mm-hmm. If God is God and he's allowed you to walk through what you have in your life, then you have a message. Now you might not be called to stand on a stage and speak like me. You may not be called to stand behind a pulpit and preach from the word like I am, but you are called in your lane. And so all of us have, uh, the, the last words of Jesus, we should always take somebody's words with weight, especially the last ones. And Jesus' last words before he ascended into heaven was go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Your go and make disciples, your go looks different to mine, but we're all called to go. Mm-hmm. And so I think that I don't know that I would say it comes down to having a plan. For some people, it might. Mine's not so much like that. Like, Emily, we were just talking about it's a um, it factor. Emily, she has she. Good lord, that woman exhausts me when I talk to her. I'm like, take a nap, girl. Like, just chill. And she's like, I don't know how. And I'm like, okay. Like, that's not how I do things. I'm a lot more. Um, I mean, honestly, I'm a lot more Australian. And she inspires the heck out of me in so many ways that she's motivated, and I inspire her with my vulnerability. Everyone has an accent. You don't have to do it like the person next to you, but you do have to do something. And a lot of what I teach women is just how to take the next step. Don't overcomplicate your life by creating a mood board for 20 years time. We can do so much more than we think we can in one year. And we can do so much less than we think we can on that brain dump page of one day. Like if we could get things in perspective with what can happen today, 
versus what can happen in five years time, I think we'd make a lot more progress. And that's where I get stuck. So I think that I answered like 10 questions and I'm not sure if I answered the question you actually asked me. Absolutely did. You absolutely (laughs) did. And you said something that I thought was so good because the amount of people that I know I speak to that are just like, oh, she's already talked about that. There's already been a book written about that. I, there's already reels made about that or podcasts made about that. But I'm like, but not by you and not in the way you would say it. And to echo what you said, I really do believe like God made us individual. He made us unique and he loves us uniquely. And so you, I mean, sure, a message might've been preached a thousand times before on different platforms, but you saying it in the way God made you designed to be is going to reach someone that maybe those previous messages didn't, that he wants to reach. And if people would just understand the power they just have in their individuality and the way God made them and designed them to produce that message what in whatever way, shape or form, I just imagine the impact that would have and the empowerment that would go across young women um, to just that, it's a superpower. Like just being you is a superpower. It's not an excuse not to do something. It's the reason for it. And um, and so I just love what you said that. And you mentioned one of the reasons you think holds women back is they don't feel worthy or deserving of sharing that message. And I'm curious, when you said that, is that speaking from personal experience? Was there a time you didn't feel worthy of stepping into a project God called you to? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm the girl that wrote a book called Confessions of a Church Kid that published the year I lost my virginity, like in ministry. Like speaking of keeping secrets, like can you do that kind of imposter syndrome will weigh on you heavier than any weight you can lift in a gym. The weight of shame and guilt weighs way more than flesh and bone. The weight that we women carry around that creates the excuses to feel like we are not worthy to tell our story puts us right where the enemy wants us because he was able to cause us pain and he was able for that pain to shut our mouth. And I am just a big believer that God will turn your shame to your shout if you let him. That Mm -hmm. the very thing that the enemy meant to cause harm, to cause evil, uh, John 10.10 says that the enemy has come but to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his whole goal. And yet it does say that God came, but I came to give life and life more abundantly. And um, here's the biggest thing for me is that I think we all have an area. Like I have so many areas. That's one area. When speaking from divorce, like I'm in the middle of it. I don't have the story that's like, and then I got married 12 months later and now my husband's my superhero. Woohoo! Like I'm not there yet. I don't, I'm not on the other side of that divorce story yet. And God challenged me specifically, Elise, will you speak about your story while you're still in the middle of it? So many of us are out here talking about things that happened 20 years ago when we don't even remember what the scar looks like. I'm not talking about bleeding over people. I also see a lot of young women right now on TikTok and Instagram that are going live and bawling their eyes out and almost prostituting their own trauma to create a platform. I'm not talking about that. Please heal. Please get good therapy. Please heal a little bit so that you're not bleeding over people who never cut you. But in the same way, the enemy tried to get you. Are you going to fight back? Like, listen, my friend Angela, uh, she's a comedian. She always talks about taking her hoop earrings out before she like will fight someone. And when she was telling me that joke that one day, I got this image of me with the enemy. And I was like, oh, I'm about to take my hoops out. Like, can we get a little bit of grit about us? Like the enemy has done all he can. So go, let's fight back. Mm-hmm. And all I think of is in the garden uh, when, when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit that God told them not to. And then they hid because they were naked and ashamed. When they felt shame, when they felt imposter syndrome, when they felt I have to hide from God, because that's our human nature in sin is to run and hide from the very one that can heal us. Mm -hmm. God came after them and said, where are you? Where are you? And when we're hiding from God, when we're not sharing our story, when we're living in our mess, completely stuck and sunk into the deepest parts of our own shame and story, isolating ourselves from the world and cutting ourselves off from the inheritance we already have because of the price that was paid by Jesus, God comes after us and he says, where are you? And Adam and Eve said, we, we hid because we were naked and we were ashamed. And before God spoke to Adam and Eve, 
before they ever got the consequences, because yes, there are real consequences from our sin, not from God, because now Jesus, like I mentioned, has come and paid the price. That's what I believe fully. But before he turned to Adam and Eve, he turned to the serpent and he said, because you've done this. And he punished the serpent first. And I just wonder if he was doing that to give us a template of what to do when we've come through our trial, of what to do when we've come through to the other side of what the enemy meant to harm us, what the enemy meant to kill us. For me, as for me in my life, this is just how I live it, is that I'm never going to be perfect. I'm going to mess up every single day. And the reason I like to be so vulnerable and authentic in public is because that's who I am in private, because I cannot keep secrets anymore. Mm -hmm. Secrets will make you sick. You are only as sick as your own secrets. And the reason we keep secrets of shame is because we think they will cut us off from the blessing because that is the lie that we've believed. So just as for me and my life, I would rather turn to the enemy and be like, oh, you thought you could get me with a divorce? Watch this. Watch me go and live the rest of my life to help women get back up from heartbreak. Oh, you think you could get me from losing my virginity and having to keep that shame for years? Watch me free young women that feel like their life is over because they had an abortion, because they lost their virginity, because they got heartbroken and they knew that they had done things that they didn't want to do. I just think that God is looking for a community and a generation of women that will stand up and say to the enemy, not to each other, but to the actual enemy, because you have done this, because you you came after me and my sisters and my family and tried to steal, kill and destroy us, we are coming after you and I will spend the rest of my life making the enemy rue the day and regret the day that he ever came for me. And I think if the more women believe that, we would stop believing the lies of the enemy. We would understand that we are nothing but the grace of, but by the grace of God. But we would start to boast in our weakness, understanding it is only in them that it makes God's strength even more strong. And we would start to walk out the calling as the daughters of God that he has called us to be. It is not that we are worthy by what we did. And thank God, because it means that we get to live out our imperfect intimate with God life and help other women in the process. So I don't know. I feel like I just went to church. Ah! That was so on point. And I think when you talked about just like taking a stance, fighting against the enemy, and then including that and sharing your story, what I see is the shame, the guilt. It does. It's so heavy and it's preventing people from stepping into their kind of their God-given nature, love, kindness, compassion. When I think about just like this idea of every woman having a ministry, it's the way you live your life. And um, it it's just the way you love people and the shame, the guilt, it robs you of the ability to, to honestly look people in the eye and be able to love openly, love honestly. Mm-hmm. When we talk about fighting the enemy, what is the first step there? Because mm-hmm. what I see women doing is they see people like you or whoever on a platform fighting the enemy on a broad stance yeah. and they think they've got to go live stream or they think they've got to share on social media where I feel like there's a lot more connection that needs to happen before it gets on the media. But I'm curious, like, what does fighting the enemy look like for you? What advice would you give women for that? That is such a great question, babe. I think that I think it looks like all of it. I'm such a believer and it doesn't have to be either or. It is both and. I love crowds. I love preaching to crowds and I will never pretend I don't because I've also seen a lot of speakers that are like, oh, I don't even like being in the crowd. I'm like, well, you do, so shut up. But (laughs) I think that honestly, I love preaching preaching to a crowd. Why? Because I know I'm affecting a lot of people in in one time. And you know what else I love? I love sitting on my couch with a glass of wine talking to my friend. I love sitting in a coffee shop and talking to someone that is trying to manage all these things in their life. I love coaching over Zoom. I love, um, oh my God, my favorite is our community of women at Club Devotion. It's this smaller group of women that I pastor in their everyday life that I actually write devotionals for every single week that we meet weekly on a Thursday. I'm meeting with them tomorrow that we can actually encourage each other in the faith. We have four different countries represented there at the moment. We just started last year and I I never realized how much women need that community then when that's the reason we started it and so yes it is pulpits yes it is crowds yes it is instagram but more than that it is whatever sphere that you are in today if you're a mom it's your kids if you're a mom it's your husband or your friends or your family members if you're if you have a phone cuz it's 
freaking 2023. And if you don't have a phone, you're probably homeless. Like if you have a phone, it's your favorites in your contacts. Every single morning, can you get up and in the first two hours of your morning, can you pray for the three people that come to your mind and then send them a text? I just want you to know I prayed for you this morning. Do you know how powerful that one incredibly practical step is? Mm. What's seven times three? I think it's 21. Tell me if my math's off. After seven days, you take three people in your world. You pray for them and text them every day. Every week, that's 21 people. Times that by 52 and whatever that, like, do you understand how many people we can actually influence if we take it one person at a time? That inspiration and influence comes from the masses, but discipleship, remember the Great Commission, go and make what? Disciples comes when we know someone's name, when I know someone's story. And so I know what God has called me to do, but it is not either or, it is both and. And I do not want to get to the end of my life and God be like, well, you created a platform and well done because you had so many coupon codes that you had people click the link in your your bio to go and get that for 50% off. But how many disciples did you make? I don't want to be the influencer that missed Jesus in the whole process. Ew. I don't want to be the mom that missed Jesus in the whole process because I got so much more focused on comparing my life to other moms than I did actually raising my children. I don't want to be the person that gets to the end of my life and God says, you blamed the school system. You blamed the pol- political party in power, but you didn't take the authority that I had given you as a daughter of Christ and walked in it, understanding that the same authority that God gave Jesus, he has given us. Because if you believe the truth, that is the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, mama. You have so much more power in your tongue than you give yourself credit for. And here we are tearing down other Christian women. You want to get me passionate about something. It's Christian women tearing each other down. I hate it. I see it all the time on the internet and I hate it. We don't need more people to discourage us in our day. And if we would take three minutes out of our day and encourage and pray for three women and then text them and say, I just want you to know you're doing a great job. Mm -hmm. You have no idea what's on the other side of that. And so it's actually a lot more practical than we give it credit for. So yes, it's, it's influence, but influence was not a job until a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. And it's been a calling since when Jesus, since when Jesus was around. So Influence looks like I'm thinking about you. Influence looks like let's grab a cup of coffee. Influence looks like, hey, bring the kids over to my house so you can have a date night with your husband. Influence looks like I'm going to take my boss a coffee today even though she shouted at me yesterday. Influence looks like I don't feel like it, but I'm going to get up and go to church today. Influence looks like I know I don't have to take my shopping cart back, but I'm going to, and this is now preaching to myself uh, because it is about a spirit of excellence. Influence looks like how you treat people when no one's looking. We talk about what do you do when no one's looking, but if God can trust you with influence, he trusts you because he saw what you did when no one was looking. Does that make sense? Oh my gosh, yes. And what I love, I mean – I think you're one of the first like Christian women leaders that I really talked to that it's both and. And I love that because like for anyone listening, go back, rewind, listen to what Elise said, because if you have it on your heart to have a large platform to speak, that's not a bad thing, but it starts with the one. It's Mm -hmm. personal. If you want to build that sort of foundation, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. That being said, build it on Jesus. Build it on the individual. Do what Elise said and and take up your cross. Take up responsibility. Take up influence. And that's what I love about this is when we think about like your, everyone's ministry. Like I said, everyone has a ministry in your workplace. Are you generating influence? Are you asking your boss to coffee after she was a jerk to you, like Elise said? Are you looking for the one at the cocktail hour that's by themselves and feeling uncomfortable and making them feel more welcome in your dentist office or wherever? How are you loving and leading and leaning when no one is looking? And that's going to determine the platform you have when everybody is. And so I love that you said it's a both and. And 
I know we're coming up on time here. I'm going to ask you my two final questions that I always ask each guest at the end, which is, Elise, what advice would, one, you give your 10-year-old self, but two, would your 10-year-old self give present-day Elise? Ooh, I like the second part of that. I've heard Thank the first you. part, but I've not heard the second part. Isn't that your favorite? It's my favorite as an interview when someone's like, ooh, that's such a good question. Yes. And I interview anyone and they're like, either I've never said that before and you're like, yes. I know. Or, oh, that's a good question. I'm always like, it's like a dopamine hit. I'm Which like, hell yeah, I'm awesome. Sorry to say no, yeah, you podcast. That's the I'm Instagram Australian. clip right there. <laughs> Take it. It's fine. I'm Australian. So if you hear bad words, we're allowed to. Um, <laughs> I, what, what advice would I give my 10 year old self? Oh, what advice would I give my 10 year old self? Man, that makes me emotional to think about because um, I think I would tell her not to be contained. When I think back to my 10 year old self, I mean, you see me now, um, you're always the more intense version of yourself <laughs> at 10. And I think I would just tell her not to, not to let anyone put a lid on her. Mm-hmm. Don't you dare let anyone tell you that you can't, except for mom and dad, because they do have your best interests. But apart from that, don't let a boy, don't let those girls at school, don't let those male pastors, don't let those female pastors, don't let anyone tell you that you are too much. Wow. You know what the cool part about that is I think that's what the 10-year-old self would tell me today. She might have told me something different five years ago, but I think I'm finally, in the last few years, I mean this in the last few, maybe one, two years max. So I'm not talking to you from someone that's like, 10 years ago I had this realization. I'm talking about like this is present-day Elise I'm finally coming home to my 10-year-old self. And the beauty in coming home to your childlike self is that you take the childish behaviors and that's the natural maturing process. But there is a reason Jesus said, let the little children come to me. There is a reason he said, have a childlike faith. Because when we're a child, it doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense. It doesn't. It it doesn't matter if we haven't seen it done before. If you are a parent, if you have a niece or a nephew that is around that age, next time you're around them, look at them. Really watch them. Observe how they live their life. Do you see how they're more curious than critical? Do you see how they're more innovative than conforming? Do you see how they find everything funny but they never laugh at anyone? I think that I would tell my 10-year-old self, I want to be like you when I grow up. And I hope that my 10-year-old self would be saying, I'm really glad I'm becoming like you. I, I think that's what I would say. That is so I, uh Wow, it's so funny. I, I always get excited for these conversations because I'm like, what is – what is God going to communicate, not just to my audience, but to me through the person? Yeah. And I that was my word from you. It was because growing up, like that was such a insecurity yeah. of mine was um, the too much thing. I was constantly told I was too loud. I need to calm down. And, um, and my mom, she would just always speak over me at night, like, don't you dare dim your light. Like those who you're too bright for are not meant for you, which is so much of why the podcast is called Made to Shine. Um, Cause I just do believe it's like, we are given such an individual and unique light and and you have that at least like you have such a beautiful light. And so I'm so appreciative mm-hmm. you said that. What, um, what would, let me ask you that question. I don't know how many people have done that to you, but I'm also an interviewer, my girl. What would you say to your 10 year old self? And what do you think she would say to you? Oh gosh. Um, a lot of things. What I would say to my 10-year-old self is keep failing. And what I mean by that is I was not afraid of failure as a kid. I I didn't look at it as a bad thing. I tried everything and I sucked at most things. 
I mean, and you, it didn't matter that you subbed at it, right? It was just, I remember I'd come home and be like, dad or mom, like, uh, and I, I have such a good relationship with my parents. I love my parents. I'm like, look at what I sucked at today. And it was celebration. It was like the dinner table conversation. And I mean, but that was my parents, they always celebrated failure. And it was like, as I went through school, as I went through my career, all of a sudden it was like, wait, but what if that doesn't work? What if that flops? And it, it was just like, the more eyes that were on things, the more this big bear of failure became this thing to avoid as opposed to this thing to lean into. Mm. So I would say keep failing. And I mean, honestly, to, to copy you there, she would tell me that. My 10-year-old, she would tell me keep failing. She would also tell me not everything needs to have a monetary ROI. Like not all your ideas need to make money. Um, that is, I feel like, especially as creators, uh, I'm constantly like, oh, this would be great to, as another stream of whatever income here. And ideas are just meant to be fun and just enjoy and not meant to create this thing to, to make money or to, to have a huge audience watching. Yeah, that's so good that when we're kids, we never think about finance when we think about fun. And I think we're so quick. I think specifically in the millennial age, we have been so quick to take hobbies and make them into another monetary stream yep. and then we lose it as a hobby. And yep. so we're like, well, we just work all the time. We work all the time because we turned our hobbies into a financial thing. And that speaks yep. to me. I appreciate you saying that because that that speaks to me. My, uh, my Lightworkers contract, my current podcast – we had two seasons. And so it is because, you know, some podcasts live on forever and some are just seasonal and this yep. was seasonal and I'm so grateful for it. But now I'm like, okay, God, what's the podcast that you've called me to do? Okay. What, what kind do I want to have? And I keep thinking, okay, yeah, but I don't know if that's going to bring in like a, a sponsor or monetizing or, and that's so good because that just spoke to me. And that's what I love about these conversations. I always get something from them. Mm-hmm. I never see myself as a guest. It's always conversations because to me, I'm like, oh, yeah, it doesn't matter. It's actually, this might just be the hobby for me. Like this just, mm-hmm. a podcast might be the hobby. And if it ever was to do something, then cool. Somebody else liked my mm-hmm. hobby. Mm-hmm. But as kids, we never think about a hobby having a pathway. I mean, think about it. We never saw jump rope as like, I could become an Olympian. We never saw the sandpit as I should create the best sculpture that could win the award at this thing. Like we just did stuff that we liked with our friends. Imagine what our world would be like if we weren't afraid of, if we celebrated sucking at things and if we just did stuff that was fun. And I'm not talking about throw away your job and just like, don't worry about providing for anything, but like what do you, what's one thing that you do in your life right now that you don't get paid for, mm-hmm. that you don't have a return on investment financially for, and that when you think, oh, I need to fill myself up, I'm going to go and do this, and it doesn't cost money. I don't know if I'm honest that it would, that I, like that's, I'm going to go and think about that because, oh, actually I do have one thing. Me and my best friend, Katie go down to the beach and she has this big Lexus truck that needs to die. It needed to die about <laughs> five years ago. And we don't know how she's still alive, but she's refusing to go to the Those Lord. are the best cars. I had one like that. I named it the Let Hulk. me tell you right now, we can't take her on road trips anymore because she won't make it. Um, but she is, I'll, I might cry when we have to retire her car because we will open up the back doors, um, of her big Lexus we will take pillows and blankets and wine and snacks and drawings and we will go down to the beach and sit there and watch the sunset or watch the sunrise with music playing and 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 it's and again it's not a skill i guess but like what's something mm-hmm. that you do that fills you up that you don't currently have a plan to then pull back out from does that make sense mhm exactly it's just, right. it's simply a deposit. Mm-mm-mm. It's a deposit. That's good. And, Thanks for sharing uh, that. Yeah. I, I'm a big believer. Like we live in such a, you have to turn your passion into your occupation culture. I don't believe that. Like I think you can have a passion and do it and it doesn't have to provide for you financially. It can simply be a passion. Especially um, as women, we give out so much. So much. Um, whether you're an assistant or a teacher or a mom or a podcaster or a pastor or I don't know what your main audience here is, but as women, our natural tendency is to be a helper. And so um, 
I just think that's such a good practical today of like, what's something that you can do that you don't have a future plan for that isn't Netflix? Because that's easy. Yeah. That's too easy. It's, it's well, too easy. It's to not, you're not engaged. It's a, it's a mind numbing. This is something that's, it, it keeps you active. It keeps you inspired. And to mm-hmm. your point, yeah. So a lot of my audience is younger, like women's 18 to 30 years old. And I kind of, a lot of women are like cooks. They provide the food, they provide the provision, but they don't get fed. And it's like, what's that thing that feeds you? It's that thing right. that you look forward to. It works different parts of your brain. It's a deposit. So yeah. I need to so it is it is so so good and it's like this I was I used to write devotionals for myself like mm-hmm. I used to I remember when I was a kid I had church kid pastor's kid and me and my friends used to make activity packs for each other <laughs> like, oh, yeah. years old. we used to make activity packs for each other what is, it and, an, what is an activity pack what's okay. it so like you remember when you were at a restaurant and you were a kid and they used to come out and be like, oh crap, we have kids. Like let's bring crosswords or am yes. I going to say these words on your podcast? Is this okay? I'm not that saying is, any really it's bad totally ones. fine. I'm only saying the on the edge bad ones. Okay. So everyone, I apologize. You do not have to follow me or you listen to any <laughs> wisdom of mine. <laughs> but if you want to, we just keep it real over in my in my people. Um and so I like the activity packs of like we would create crosswords for each other we would create um like we'd write each other letters we would like print off coloring in competitions we would just fill these manila little envelopes that I got from the church offices with stuff and the idea of just helping them have activities which is wild when I think that now one of the things I do for a living in club devotion is I write devotionals for women I literally am creating and I never thought about it till right now these spiritual activity packs for women every month and as a little girl I used to do it for fun but guess what it's still fun I freaking love doing it like I love being able to give women these questions and activities to be able to see God and the Bible in a way that they're like oh oh I never saw that before like when someone's eyes light up that's the little girl in me that that is one area that I took a hobby but it never took the enjoyment out of it for me and I think if we get confused if a woman is listening to this and she's like I don't even know Think back to that 10-year-old girl. What did she do for fun? What did she love doing? And it's okay if you're a vocation and what you get money in, if you're a lawyer, but you used to dance to Britney Spears all the time, go take a dance class. Like go go swimming. Like Mm -hmm. I used to love swimming. I was not good at it. My brother was in the sharks and I was in like the dolphins, which tells you where I was at in my life. But that's fine. It's totally fine. But I love swimming. I just love it. And so what's something you do? I don't know why. Like that's just my friend Annie Downs, who has a podcast as well called, I think it's I think it's called That Sounds Fun or something. She just sent me last night her book. Um, I think it's called Chasing Fun. Chase the Fun. I, don't, I think I'm giving like a Sounds an ad fun. book. Sounds I'm giving her an ad, her an ad for her book right now. And she sent it to me with these socks with her face on them. If she's in, she, I think she's late 30s now. If Annie Downs can send someone socks with her face screened onto them, we need to have more fun. And I just think that we have been through it. The last few years, we've all just been through it. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, execute. Yes, dream. Yes, let's be women that are efficient and are effective. But can we please not forget to have fun? Because if we're not having fun, those creative juices are going to run dry. Mm -hmm. Those pastoral um, strengths are going to run dry. Have fun with your friends. Don't make it all about going and planning and and doing all these things together. Like go on a road trip just for a day and just see where you go. Take roads you've never taken before. Like don't put the GPS on. Like what if we go and like make clothes. I don't know. That's not my thing, but like (laughs) go do something with your friends that you might suck at and you can laugh about and guess what the memory will be in 10 years time. It'll be that day. So I don't know how our conversation got there, but I don't know. You know what? I'm about to tie it together because I'm a big believer. A rock in the harbor lifts all boats. And you know, you talked about fighting the enemy. We talked about having your ministry. It's everywhere you are. It's in the office. It's at church. It's with your friend groups at the bar on a Friday night. It's everywhere. And we talked about having fun. If you prioritize having more fun, you'll be able to fight the enemy better. 
you'll be able to show up in your life better. Like you will have a greater foundation in yourself to show up for your law job better, your teaching job better. And so I love this because no one talks about having fun in this hustle and grind culture. And it's so important. So important. So thank you, Elise. And to cap us off, where can people find you if they want to sign up for Club Devotion? Like, what does that look like? Where can people? Oh, I would love them too. Okay, let me give them a couple of levels. If they want, I just wrote, I just wrote in release. I don't know if you saw my Instagram. Okay, you guys, this is, if you need to, if you're like, who is this Elise girl? Let me give you a quintessential. This is Elise Marie Murphy. I wrote a 10-day devotional. I released a free 10-day devotional. And then I completely forgot to tell anyone that I had written and released a 10-day devotional <laughs> until last night my friend posted it. And I was like, oh, my bad. I forgot <laughs> to tell people. So literally yesterday I wrote a um, – I released – well, it was about a week ago and I forgot to tell them. Don't tell anyone. Please don't tell people. They'll be so mad at me. But you can go to elisemurphy.com and that is where you can get a free 10-day devotional. And then you can keep up with my life at Elise, E-L-Y-S-E. That's my Instagram handle. It's such a long story, but I'll explain it one day on how I got it. The Lord is kind. And Club Devotion is where I spend most of my time. That's where you can find me weekly. That is where um, if you like that 10-day devotional or if you like anything I've said, I write devotionals for high-achieving millennial and uh, millennial women and women that want more out of life, that want more out of the Bible, that want to connect with God every single day, but they don't have five hours or they don't understand what is happening. I help you do that. And so you can join our... uh, global membership. Uh, Go to elisemurphy.com and all the links are there. All the links are on my Instagram, but would love to have you there. It's for women that want to go deeper in their faith and connect with other like-minded friends. So come join my world. Annie, you are phenomenal. Thank you so much for having me today. Thank you so much, Elise. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Can't wait to see all of you guys join Club Devotion and go get Elise's new 10-day free devotional. Thanks, everyone. Hey friend, thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with me, hang out with my guests and listen all the way through. Hey, listen, before you log off, I have an ask for you. I'm not very good at asking people for things. So really putting my foot forward here and asking that if this podcast has in any way, shape or form helped you, helped your friends, helped your family, helped your spirit, helped your soul, helped your mind, helped your body, helped your heart. Would you please, for your friend Annie, leave a review, leave a comment, put some stars out there, be honest, of course, but it would really help me out if you would like and review this podcast, especially if it's made any sort of impact in your life so that it can then go forth and help whoever else God needs to hear this message. I'm sending you love. I'm cheering for you, rooting for you. Let's go have an awesome day.